So as I suggested before, you've no doubt heard of Dolphin Safe Tuna, but do we also need a label telling us its supply is free from slavery? A team of researchers tracked the journey of tuna from Thailand to supermarket shelves to assess how much slave-free tuna there actually is in Australia, and their finding was shocking. Just one tinned tuna brand of many from Thailand was able to confidently claim slavery was not involved in its supply with millions of people believed to be held captive in slavery today. Let's welcome on the line Kate Nicholl, lecturer and research assistant at the University of Melbourne. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Perhaps we should start with something of a a clarification of what we mean by modern-day slavery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what we really mean when we talk about um, modern-day slavery is where um, workers who are working in a situation where they don't have freedom of movement. So um, what often happens um, is that either through um, either through violence or threats of violence um, or what com- most commonly happens is what we call um, uh, uh, debt, debt bondage labour. So what that means is quite often it'll be linked with um, human trafficking where um, trafficking agents will bring um, a number of workers over the border into a new location where they'll um, be working at um, something like on a fishing boat, um, and then they'll there'll be a, a debt over their head essentially that from having been brought into that new location um, that they then need to work off, um, and that 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 debt is usually quite an un- unreasonable thing um, and they get paid such low wages that the debt never never really gets paid paid back. Um, so the worker ends up being in a new location um, with very little money and, and this debt that needs to be paid back to um, to the agent that, that's, that's relocated them. What was it about the tuna fishing industry in Thailand in particular that drew your attention? Uh, so the... The, the whole story about uh, fishing, um, the fishing industry in Thailand um, became sort of burst out onto the world stage, I guess you could say, in 2015 when um, a group of journalists did a year-long investigation into um, into the workforce in the seafood supply chain and they, they tracked a number of boats um, uh, that were around the Thai waters and then Thai boats that even moved a bit further to sort of more Indonesian, Papua New Guinea waters um, and looked at the treatment of those workers. Um, and that, that the result of that, um, the work that was done was, well, actually those, those journalists won a Pulitzer Prize as a result, but also um, a 1,000 workers were released who had been on boats for months or even a number of years without actually having um, left the actual boat itself, mm. um, let alone having any choice of, of, as I said before, freedom of movement. Um, and also... That then became um, it became more more known, and the EU actually put a yellow card, a trading yellow card, on Thailand as a result of that, um, which was like a cautionary warning that unless the Thai government tackles these human rights issues in that particular sector, then the EU would stop trading um, with with Thailand um, on those products. And that actually subsequently, that yellow card, uh, three years or four years later, has just been been lifted, um, given that the Thai um, government has made quite a few changes in response. But your study found that so much of the tuna that comes into Australia from Thailand 
involves slavery somewhere along the process. So is, is that a situation that's um, in any way unique to Australia? And is this problem in any way unique to Thailand? Um, it's, it's, it's not unique to Thailand. It's unique to any industry where, you know, I guess it's dirty work that, you know, um, that nobody wants to do, you know. So then it kind of, it's really only vulnerable people who um, are then sort of getting trapped into working in those industries. Um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not specific to Australia. What it's specific to is where those raw materials are coming from. So if we talk about our study in particular, what we did was do um, around four, uh, 45, 46 interviews, um, starting with some brands and retailers in Australia, um, then we went to Thailand and we interviewed a number of processors and toured some processing plants and spoke to some of the um, NGOs who are helping support the migrant labour workforce. And what we found was that um, Thailand itself is almost like an incubator for this type of um, this type of labour abuse. And that's because um, back in um, a number of decades ago, there was a really bad natural disaster and a number of fishermen died as a result, which made it a very undesirable industry. That coupled then with a lot of um, uh, economic development in Thailand means that the local people have a lot more choice in terms of the types of industries that they want to work in. So the fishing industry and the processing of it became very reliant on a workforce from Cambodia and Myanmar. Um, and that's how, you know, over the last couple of decades this issue around labour has um, developed um, and then when we looked at each of the brands that were retailing here in Australia um, the issue was around transparency so having that visibility of, of where those raw materials are coming from and when we say there was one just one brand that one brand was able to track back the, 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 the seafood that they were processing back to just 22 boats where they knew that there was CCTV on board, but there was varying levels of visibility amongst the different brands that we talked to. Some of them would just buy directly from our processing plant and they didn't know where the raw material was coming from and there was just that one that had the full visibility through to where the fish were coming from. Now, if it's possible for researchers to find out this kind of information, why are governments seemingly so helpless. We saw recently Australia's Parliament pass the Modern Slavery Act. The UK enacted a similar act, the Modern Slavery Act of 2015, but that was criticised for lacking effective enforcement for those companies that yeah. failed to comply with relevant regulations. What what more is needed? Well, we, we've been really big advocates for the Modern Slavery legislation here in Australia and we were quite vocal in the Senate inquiry that preceded the introduction of the legislation and we think it's a really good step in terms of creating that kind of... Um, it's creating a discussion at board level about this as a risk and um, it's, it's creating awareness around the problem. But as you say, there's still a lot of work to be done around... Uh, one is around penalties. There's no penalty for non-compliance. So, um, you know, the, 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 the legislation requires you to make a statement about what it is that you are doing to make sure that there is no slavery in the supply chain. And technically, you could make a statement that just says nothing and you would be compliant. Um, uh, the other is that, um, that there's no central body to oversee it. So, um, you know, the organisations are, are kind of governing themselves and just creating a statement that they'll then put on their website. And, I mean, it does help to create that awareness, it gives more visibility to consumers for them to be able to make better choices. But um, 
without that enforcement from the government side, it's not going to... It's just that first step um, in creating action, but it's not going to really drive change until we move further down that point of having sort of government oversight and driving compliance. Well, going down the chain all the way to the consumer, what responsibility do we all have? Yeah, I think that... So, um, I think that there's a... Well, I mean, like you said before, you were, talk, uh, you were talking about dolphin safe tuna and all those types of things. If you walk into a supermarket and you pick up any kind of tuna can, you can sit, there'll be anything, there will be reference to being responsibly sourced or whatever it might be on the actual tuna can. But the best way to inform yourself is to make sure that you're buying something that's got a certification on it. So the um, one of the best uh, certifiers for the seafood industry is... Um, is MSC. Um, so if it says MSC certified on the label, then you can be fairly comfortable that there's been quite a rigorous um, auditing check through each of the layers of the supply chain. Um, it's still a little bit light on the, the human rights side of it, but from an environmental perspective, it, um, it's very sound. Um, and then, you know, for other products as well, um, general household items like um, like chocolate and coffee and tea also have, you know, a lot of sustainability issues associated with it. But then if you look for fair trade, um, you know, Rainforest Alliance, those types of certifications on the products, um, then you can you can make yourself fairly comfortable that you're making an ethical choice. Yeah, I mean, let's say your brand of chocolate that you particularly like doesn't have that fair trade label, but... You know, you're, you're obviously like buying chocolate for a reason. It's not just about a necessity. Do you feel that uh, it makes any difference to contact these companies and to put pressure yeah. on them? Yeah, I think it's, so. There's a lot of organisations, um, you know, you know, World Vision, um, Oxfam, um, and then some of the smaller organisations like Stop the Stop the Traffic, which is a global alliance. Um, they they are actually actively part. Um, they're actually actively petitioning these organisations. I think it actually um, it strengthens their voice to join their voice. So you can you can um, you can contact the companies directly, and that's a good step. But an even better step is to um, join with the voice of some of these other organisations that are. Uh, and actually, a lot of the change that's been brought about in the seafood industry, Greenpeace has been the driving um, agitator, I guess, behind that in terms of elevating the issue. It's uh, really a, a, a process that we begin with failing or refusing to look the other way, I guess. Kate Nicholl, lecturer and research assistant from the University of Melbourne, thank you so much for raising your voice on the issue this, this morning with us. Thank you.